Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Welcome to the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And I'm Trevor Anderson here, chart manager, still slash editorial liaison. I don't have like a a fancy title like Gary co-director. I guess I could be like, what, junior, junior director? You get a word that's not even English. That's pretty cool. Liaison? Liaison. Oh, okay. I guess it's that's French. French, yeah. This is the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast on a really nice day here in New York City. We're recording this on Tuesday, April 11th. So, of course, it's so nice. We're in a windowless room. Yeah, um, I wish this was – I wish we have a video component so you guys could see. We're literally in an archive. Um, Actually, a lot of the Billboard – well, basically all the issues of Billboard ever dating back to the William McKinley administration that's back actually before McKinley, whoever's president before McKinley. So we are here because we love the charts so much instead of being outside. A really nice day for the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Lots to get to uh, this week. Uh, We're going to run down, as always, the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100, which uh, this week includes Kendrick Lamar. He debuts uh, really high. Uh, Also the highest charting country hit in four years from Sam Hunt. Uh, Bruno Mars, still in the top 10, and uh, that's going to be the focus of our uh, interview this week with John McMahon from Atlantic Records. He'll be stopping by, do a bit of a deep dive on Bruno Mars coming up, and we'll flash back 32 years to the number one song on the Hot 100 this week. Not quite far as back as we were just saying, only 1985. In Jackson, fellas. I don't know if anyone knows, Trevor, but they come in here and do that live every week, and it sounded the exact same every single week. It, that's, you know, when you're masters of harmony like they are, <laughs> you can just you can do it on a dime. All right, here's this week's top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. Number 10. Number nine. 
number eight. Number seven. Number six. Number five. Number four. Girly, I can get cause she don't get too many likes. A curly had a cutie, I could turn into my wife. Wait, that means forever, ever old of never mind. Oh, I, I spoke. Number three. Lucky for you, that's what I like. That's what I like. Lucky for you, that's what I like. That's what I like. Number two. Sit down. And number one for an 11th week on the Billboard Hot 100, Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. Trevor, it's one of only uh, 22 songs all time to have led for at least 11 weeks. And here's the stat that I like. I think it's kind of fun. It's uh, one of only three songs, Shape of You, to be number one for at least 11 weeks by a solo male and no accompanying no accompanying acts, just literally one solo male artist. One guy. So uh, Elton John, Candle in the Wind, Something About the Way You Look Tonight, 1997-98, led for 14 weeks. Uh, Eminem, uh, Lose Yourself, 12 weeks. In 2002-2003, and now Ed Sheeran with Shape of You. So Elton, Eminem, and Ed have done that. <laughs> Gary always finds a great way to find these sort of, like, Snapple cap kind of yeah. kind of facts. Yeah, they all all of them start with E. Who would have... Uh, I was going to say they, they've done it with E's. That's how they've made it look. And, um, I mean, no, uh, no, sh- no shame for number two this week as well. Uh, Ed obviously stays number one, but we get a nice debut at number two this week. Kendrick Lamar roaring onto the chart with the new song Humble from the album. I, I love this album title. It, the album is Damn. It's just Damn. <laughs> Coming out uh, on Friday, this Friday, April 14th. And I, I wonder if he almost like called it that because I guess if he like wins album of the year or something, they'll have to be like, and the album of the year is Damn. Just how beautiful a sound would that be coming from, like, I don't know, Reba McIntyre at the right. Grammys or something? I feel more careful now on who who accepts that yeah. category, announcing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the Grammys are, yeah, they might be sweating a little bit. We'll see. But um, it's it's uh, the biggest, uh, the highest charting, uh, the highest debuting rap hit since 2010 
So that's when uh, Eminem, again, it all goes back, back to, to Eminem this week, apparently. Uh, Love the, the Way You Lie, featuring Rihanna, debuted at number two in July 2010. There hasn't been a rap song debut that high until this week with Humble. What What is, because Kendrick's had a bunch of hits. This is his biggest hit as a lead. What What do you think, Trevor, is so big about the song that made it have such a big debut? Is it the album uh, coming out? Is it the song itself, combination? What do you think? I think, um, you know, I, I'll put it sort of in that Adele camp. Adele Atkins, the <laughs> the huge hit singer. Um, in, in a way, I think for Kendrick, uh, the best you know, promotional marketing that he could have for this album was the fact that his last album was To Pimp a Butterfly. And, you know, that would top so many critics lists for 2015. Um, really, a lot of people, you know, there's no official count, but probably was the second place finisher on Album of the Year night for Grammy. Of course, Taylor Swift won the award, and it really seemed to kind of be the, the biggest album of 2014, which people really thought was Taylor's versus the most acclaimed album of 2015, which was his. But just like, you know, we saw Adele with 25, the way it blew up on the charts i mean a lot of that came from the fact that the album before was 21 and people really loved it so i think you know kendrick kind of had been appreciated in in critical circles as most rap artists probably are you know before he'd blown up but now that he made the mainstream jump over last album with to pimp a butterfly debuting at number one pretty easily you know people love that the untitled unmastered kind of um you know demo outtake set that debuted at number one as well so i think people you know Everyone from critics to fans to everybody is really coming around. And, you know, now you got the new single. Everybody jumps right on it and blows it up. Is it uh, the message of the lyrics, too? You think that's playing into it? Yeah, you know, because Kendrick, I think, um, I'm no, I don't want to say I'm a Kendrick expert, but I think, it's one thing, I think it's one thing that people really like about him because for so for so long, you know, a lot of the rap was about, you know, I got this, I got that, I can do this, I got bling, I got girls, I got cars, right. I got, you know, money to... I can, you know, buy a helicopter, burn it up, and, you know, still make my 8 o'clock dinner reservation downtown at the best restaurant that you've never heard of because you can't go. But I think people love that Kendrick is, you know, successful, obviously, and one of the most respected MCs in the game, but he doesn't let that go to his head. He's not, he doesn't get too crazy. He's still, you know, is down to earth, down with the people. I think the same thing with Chance the Rapper. That's why people, I think, like him as well. Um, You know, we see that he's doing really well, gotten all these you know, the streaming album hits, the Grammy Awards, and still finds time to help Chicago public schools and things like that. You talk about someone who's even mixing, not rap, obviously, but spoken word uh, music. Sam Hunt in the top 10. You just heard Body Like a Background. Not on that song, but uh, Take Your Time, his hit from a couple years ago, and, and, has spoken word in it. Yeah, and Body Like a Background has that kind of DJ mustard, like that little, that, that hey, like, you know, I, yeah. can't, I can't do it, but I know everyone knows that. Like when you hear it, it's like the little, like, you know, the hey. Hey, hey, in the background, like yeah, in the hook, right. it's there too. I mean, who would have thought, you know, sort of a DJ mustardy kind of sound to be on a country song, you know? Yeah. Well, Sam Hunt has, has been mixing sounds, a little, little R&B, a little pop country since he, uh, since he started just a few years ago. Uh, he has uh, his uh, first top 10 on the Hot 100 this week. It's the first country song to even be in the Hot 100's top 10 since Cruise by Florida Georgia Line almost four years ago. And we all know what a big hit Cruise was. It's actually the record holder for uh, most weeks at number one ever on the Billboard uh, Country Songs chart, 24 weeks at six, number one. Six months. It's just about six that? months. But it, but it crossed over, a lot of pop airplay. Um, and again, I mean, Florida Georgia Line, they got Nelly on that remix. Right. They merge in sounds too. Right. Um, what's also uh, kind of notable about uh, the Sam Hunt song is it's hit the top 10 without being on Billboard's pop songs chart. 
which is based on top 40 airplay. So uh, that points to sales and streaming are really driving the song. No pun intended. Body like a back road. That's what's driving it. But uh, it's actually the fourth biggest selling song of 2017. And I think that might surprise people that might think, obviously, Ed Sheeran's going to be up there, but other pop stuff, maybe something by Drake, uh, a country song that you're probably not hearing on your local top 40 radio station. It's the number four selling song of 2017 so far. We're, we're, th- we're in April already, mid-April. You know, a good-looking country male singer is, I mean, girls love their Luke Bryan and their, you know, other people I can't think of. <laughs> and so I think if you get that right sound with Sam Hunt, he's got that right look. I mean, that, you know, that's 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 a cash cow waiting to happen. All right. Let's get to this week's uh, insider interview here on the podcast. We're talking about uh, Bruno Mars. You heard him at number three on the Hot 100 with That's What I Like. Actually moved back a notch this week for number two, but um, it made gains uh, across the board. Kendrick just happened to push him back this week with his debut at number two. So uh, this song, uh, That's What I Like, has really been gaining for weeks. It's been the top uh, airplay gainer, making the biggest gains in uh, radio airplay for six out of the last seven weeks, become a huge hit from the 24 Karat Magic album. Let's talk to uh, John McMahon again from Atlantic Records. He was here a couple weeks ago talking uh, mostly about Ed Sheeran. We're going to go deeper uh, with uh, what uh, John's working at Atlantic. We'll also get into some other acts that uh, he's promoting as well. But we'll kick things off with uh, John talking about Bruno Mars here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. John McMahon, welcome back Thank to the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. We liked you so much the first time. Yay. We wanted to have you <laughs> Give you a repeat. I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, last time we were talking about Ed Sheeran, all the success. There's other uh, stuff you guys are promoting and having huge success with uh, right there with, with Ed in the top five, top ten of the Hot 100, uh, Bruno Mars. You're two hits deep now from 24 Carat Magic. Same thing we were talking about last time about Ed. You put out this album by someone who's already a superstar, two huge hits right off the bat expectations for for this album and, and these singles and especially since Bruno's gone a little bit more R&B this time from his you know slightly more pop sound in the past yeah um, Bruno is is such a uh, he's secretive about what he does and he takes so long to 
go through the whole recording process and you, you never know quite what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be brilliant. You know it's going to be amazing because the first two albums were like career, you know, milestones that, you know, he was putting out massive hit after massive hit. And, you know, on his first album, coming off the first album, he was, you know, already starting to tour in arenas. Um, and he was such a brilliant live performer. Um, the new album he was telling us all along was going to be much more R&B influenced, um, maybe a little throwback vibe and feel here and there. So we were prepared for that, though, because when you think about um, When I Was Your Man from the previous album, right? you know, and that had this, this, this kind of like classic R&B, you know, you know, Sam Cooke kind of, kind of vibe and, and, and feeling to it. Um, Bruno is like a master of having a throwback kind of DNA in his songs but still sounding like they're super current and nobody else sounds like that at that moment. And so we were expecting there was going to be that, that kind of element to it. Um, we ended up going to see him at uh, a show, a private show in Connecticut, and, it, and he wasn't going to perform the, the first single, 24 Karat Magic. And then I guess at the mo- the, some point at the end, he decided to, 60 Minutes was recording him that night for a feature that they did that ran huh. and he ended up doing 24 Karat Magic to close the show and the audience like lost it it was just like this epic Bruno Mars performance and um, then you know we heard the rest of the album we're like holy what this is unbelievable um, so 24 Karat Magic you know dropped at radio and you know similar to Ed but obviously before Ed because it was is at, at uh, back in October um you know, every radio station, you know, hit it at pop and rhythmic radio and pretty much hot AC, too. And it exploded at radio. Streams went nuts. Top of the charts on iTunes. And, you know, it was clear, like, Bruno Mars is back. And then, you know, everyone wants to see Bruno perform live. So um, Bruno, you know, did a bunch of big TV performances and people were, you know, completely blown away. And... Um, you know, New Year's Eve, from what I understand, I wasn't there, but he performed a couple of shows, private shows, New Year's Eve weekend, and, like, the roof blew off of the place when, when, when Bruno performed. And at the after parties, they were playing 24 Karat Magic, and it was just like this, this mega anthem um, that had all the Bruno fans, all the, the young kids that were, you know, doing musically, um, you know, uh, pieces to it. And, you know, that was... That was um, Part of you know we're coming off Uptown Funk, of course, right? Which was, was a previous say, song seemed, with Mark Ronson. That, that seemed like the turning point in his music. Once he realized, uh, either that's the sound that he was gravitating uh, towards now, and just how huge that song was, it kind of made sense. I can probably go in this direction and be successful with it. Yeah, it's, uh, that that song you know broke a lot of records, and um, and it's it's I'm sure for an artist it's got to be a little challenging and difficult. To know that you're coming off of one of the you know biggest records, say in a decade, right? Right, and sure. the biggest record he says it, the biggest song of his career. Let's yeah. call it what it is. Um, and you know you got to top, you got to at least not necessarily top it because it's hard to top that, but you got to show up. And you know he really did on on Twenty Four Karat Magic. And the funny thing is that that song dropped on October seventh, and just today I was I look at iTunes like you know every thirty minutes. But that song still will not die. It is still like a cultural thing that um, shows the power of like Bruno Mars. Like he's 
still got it, like, in a major way. Well, that's what I like. The new single was actually charted even higher on the Hot 100 than 24 Carat Matching, and it feels like that. Grammy's performance and, and the Prince tribute and him doing that song, it, feel like, it feels like it just kind of took the whole album, and, and that's what I like, to a, to a higher level that maybe he, the album had already been at at that point. Yeah, and it feels like, you know, for people who has somehow missed this over the past couple of years, like, that Grammy's performance in particular was, like, the wake-up call. Like, if you didn't know Bruno Mars could perform, like, I know people, you know, my Twitter feed, obviously, my Facebook feed, people like, I didn't know he could do that. I didn't know he was that good. I mean, that seemed like, you know, the wake-up call for at least the last group of people who out there missed it. This is, you know, enormous. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. It is, uh, I, everyone was waiting for it because, and that's why they saved it for the end of the broadcast, right. the Grammys. Um, but, you know, he was basically you know, channeling Prince in that, in that performance. And it's, it's, it's kind of strange, but even the That's What I Like performance was just, wow. But then the Prince performance was something totally different. And, um, and you guys hit the nail on the head, too. It's the, the fact that, that the public is showing its love of Bruno Mars and its love you know, especially um, of of this song, of that's what I like, is really um, gratifying for us, and super great for Bruno Mars because he only likes to be on top and he deserves it. It's also interesting because it's such a throwback, like early 90s kind of R&B sound. And I don't know if you're going with Versace on the floor as a future single. Has that been discussed yet? It has that same kind of vibe. It feels like an old boys to men song from, from the early 90s. Yeah, it has It has been discussed. When we when we um, put out uh, 24 Karat Magic, um, we also had put out another song on, on iTunes and Spotify for fans. It was like, you know, quote-unquote, instant grat track. Right. right. To get people to, you know, pre-order the album and also to, you know, give fans a taste of what's going to come. So, you know, it's the whole point. Um, people at radio, and I think in general, loved it. It streamed, it sold, and radio stations started playing it. And um, and we're never labeled to look, look a gift horse in the mouth and say, you know, don't play a song. Because it's just they're spreading, you know, great music to his fans, and you can't be mad at that. But um, at the same time, you want to try to let the public speak when the album drops to figure out what the next single is going to be, because the public ultimately decides. Right. Like they're the ones that say, "No, this is our favorite song." You know, we, we don't like that. That's a cool song. Thanks for letting us get a taste. But actually, we all love this one more. And so um, Versace got played and is still getting played on a handful of stations um, but we're really kind of in the so in deep on that's what I like and it's got so much life left in it it's I mean it's gonna go certainly until the beginning of the summer right there's no way it's not gonna go you know five six months the way it feels that um, you know we're a long way off of, of thinking about the uh, the next the next song maybe um, something more up tempo for the summer may, yeah maybe something more up tempo for the summer and um, I don't know if you could. Do you guys see the video for That's What I Like? The video is 
unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer of a video. It's, it's more like performance art, like the Prince performance. Correct. Yeah, it's, his, it's just him dancing, like basically, you know, filmed on a green screen. But this guy's like moves, like he's dancing the entire video. And it's just such a cool visual, like, eye catcher that, um, you know, he's really proud of it. And, and so are we. It's pretty, pretty sick. Just uh, you know, there's some retro R and B that's sort of maybe surprisingly working at top forty now with "Love on the Brain" from Rihanna, and that's what I like. Feels like we're kind of hitting this this retro vibe that some superstar acts are really tapping into. Yeah, kind of weird too, because I mean R and B, you know, current R and B in, in a general sense is, is having a, a hard couple of years as pop and dance and everything have taken back over. But yeah, I mean, this going back to obviously the classic era seems to be a winning strategy for sure. Yeah, I mean. Um, I think any great songwriter will probably tell you that there's there's not a lot that you can do that in some way hasn't been done in the past. You know, there's the the traceable roots um, of the past, you know, ingrained in pr- probably every great song. You know what I mean? And and and, it, and it's funny because Bruno, when he was on sixty minutes, you know, he talked about, um, you know, he said that. You know, people are coming up to him and saying, "Oh, you, you, you know, Bruno's music sounds. It's got like a Prince influence. Oh, it's got a Michael influence. Oh, you got the James Brown thing in there." He's like, "Of course, those are my idols. Those are the people that I worship. Those are the artists that I grew up wanting to emulate. I, I mean, all of them from their musicianship, their songwriting, their performances live, and and the songs ultimately were some of the greatest. You know, music." created in the modern era and obviously with those artists like Bruno has an R&B and soulful um, you know just bloodstream Um, so I I don't think I think that we're actually fortunate when you have artists that are willing to go back and be influenced by some of the greatest music of all time and put it into the um, you know the DNA of the music that they do for this generation I think it's a blessing. Never mind. Oh, I spy with my little eye. A girly I can get cause she don't get too many likes. A curly had a cutie I could turn into my wife. Wait, that means forever, ever, or never mind. Oh, I spy. You're having a success with uh, Kyle, I spy. That's doing really well at Rhythmic Radio, making inroads of pop. Yeah, it's it's actually doing great at um, at Urban, too. We, um... It's headed. It's it's headed into the top five at, at rhythm, and it was a song that was um, kind of floating out there online and on on iTunes and and uh, streaming, and there was like a bidding war over over this artist, and rightfully so because the thing was just. Inside. I remember the week that we signed it, it was actually inside the top ten on iTunes and inside the top ten on Spotify, U.S. top fifty. Like today's top hits is a big deal because. That's the most followers of any list on Spotify. But the U.S. Top 50 is the actual most streamed songs in this country. Yeah. And it was inside the top 10 with no airplay. There were like literally like two little secondary stations in, in out west and a couple of small markets that were playing it. But other than that, no one else. And it's top 10 on iTunes and Spotify. So every label was saying, we need Kyle on our label. <laughs> and we were fortunate to, to get him. And it exploded at Rhythm. And then at Top 40 Radio... It started getting all this organic play um, from stations that lean a little bit rhythm, for sure. Uh, but the song is 
mainstream sounding enough for a hip hop record. It's got a nice like bounce to it that's easy to follow. Yeah. It does. It really does. So it's gonna it's gonna, it's debuted at pop radio now, um, and Urban is gonna be inside the top ten like any day now as well. And that's another like kind of rare feat that um, we're fortunate and and really um, proud of being able to accomplish at Atlantic is being able to work songs sometimes from format to format and sometimes simultaneously at all formats. Like it's a rare thing to be able to impact a song and and get it played on three formats at the same time. Because sometimes the pop stations feel, ah, it's too hip-hop for us. Right. Or the hip-hop stations are like, ah, that's too pop for us. Yeah. But when everyone like signs up at the same time and says, we're in, it's really rewarding. I mean, you see those streams. It's kind of hard to deny, but radio realizes people like the song. Yeah, it's number two Spotify uh, US Top 50 um, right Only now. because... It's number one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And Bruno's number three. Hey, yeah, it's not so yeah. bad to be Atlantic Records. Uh, Florida Cake is off to a good start as well. Florida is really having a nice run. Ever, my house just kind of became maybe a bigger hit than anyone expected last year, and now he's got more music out. Yeah. yeah, people always kind of forget. Like the past decade, he's been out. Like Florida has been a consistent. Like you know, every six months it feels like this Florida song that's doing well. Like, yeah, if you look at like artists with male artists with the most top tens this decade, he's he's right up there with like Timberlake and. Maybe that is kind of surprising yeah. to people of, of how consistent he, re- he really has been. It is true. Um, like, he's sold over 100 million singles. I mean, there's not a lot of artists that are, you know, on the radio and, you know, contemporary music that have sold that many singles and um, had so many top tens, as you mentioned. But Flo, My House, um, people at radio, at radio, they played it. It started more at rhythm than pop, which when Flo Rider broke, he started at rhythm and urban with, with Low. And then as he became more and more mass appeal and right round and, you know, good feeling, he became this, you know, pop, you know, superstar. Um, and then when we came back to GDFR, you know, a couple of years ago, that was much more like a, a, a rhythm record, like a hip hop record. It had Sage the Gemini on it. It had this whole like hip hop breakdown in it that was getting played, you know, like, you know, you could play in a strip club. You know what I mean? It was one of these songs that was not necessarily pop. Um, but it blew up and became like a huge record at Top 40 Radio as well. Um, and that set the stage for, for My House, which did, you're right, Gary, become, you know, that was even bigger than we anticipated. Because yeah. that, I spent three weeks at the num- at number one at Pop and it was quadruple platinum and one of his, one, easily one of his biggest songs of, of his career. Um, so that put him back on the map as, you know, where radio was like, Florida, yeah, it's probably going to be a hit. It's probably going to be a hit. Um, and so, so right now with Cake, which we decided to chase because of the streaming, because Florida has we have like a strategy of dropping flow songs like between singles. We'll drop he'll drop something else just to you know uh, satisfy the fans. And when you have you know a couple of different things out there that are floating that you're not chasing at radio, you can see which ones are going to raise their hand or not. And and we have made like a strategic um, 
decision along the way each time as to whether or not we're going to go. And this is why we're, you know, going after Kate because the fans are saying we love this song. So yeah, it debuted at Pop and it's on the biggest stations in the country and now rhythms starting to go on it. And um, it's it just feels like a great flow rider song going into the springtime. You know, it's just got that bounce to it, as you said. Yeah, he's hit that that sweet spot kind of between uh, hip hop and pop with rap and maybe some rap purists. Maybe it's too pop for them, but it's it, it works pretty well commercially. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Flo, Flo is the one guy that when he performs at any of his paid dates or he does one of these, you know, uh, you know, big radio shows, um, Jingle Ball show or for any of the big stations out there, he's the one act that can go out there where you know that he's going to do 30 or 45 minute set and it's going to be all number one songs and the crowd is going to be singing along to every single lyric from the 14 year old girls to the, you know, 42 year old moms they're all they all know the lyrics to all of his songs and then he's gonna you know stage dive into the audience and they're gonna go bananas um and he's gonna like steal the show from almost whoever's on the on the show um so that's pretty cool you know the florida still has that you know sizzle you're gonna be busy for a while yeah yeah it's gonna it's gonna be we feel um fortunately knock on wood that um, 2017 has really we came out of a cannon you know with, with Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars at the top of the year we feel we have like all pistons firing right now you know and we're really we're thrilled congratulations John continued success going on through 2017 and beyond with all these huge Atlantic acts awesome thanks Gary thank you guys And flashing back, we'll leave Bruno Mars in the present, take a trip back to 1985. Uh, this week we're going to talk about what was number one on the Billboard Hot 100, which was the all-star charity single, We Are The World. Uh, really, as far as the U.S. charts are concerned, really one of the first of its kind to have this nice super group of recording artists. Just, we're going to run through a quick list of everybody who basically had a standout solo on that record. Get ready. This is a record that... The following people were all on. We got Dan Aykroyd, Harry Belafonte, Lindsey Buckingham, Kim Carnes, Ray Charles, Bob Dylan, Sheila E., Bob Geldof, Daryl Hall, and John Oates, James Ingram, Jackie Jackson, LaToya Jackson, Marlon Jackson, Michael Jackson, Randy Jackson, Tito Jackson, Al Jarreau, Waylon Jennings, Billy Joel, Cindy Lauper, Huey Lewis and the News, Kenny Loggins, Bette Midler, Willie Nelson, Jeffrey Osborne, Steve Perry, The Pointer Sisters, Lionel Richie, Smokey Robinson, Kenny Rogers, Diana Ross, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick, and Stevie Wonder. All on one song. It basically was all of the USA for Africa. It, it really was. Um, shout out, unfortunately. Uh, crazy enough, Janet Jackson was the only Jackson not asked to be on the song. She yeah. wasn't She wasn't big, you know, big yet. No, and, and it was 86 where she broke through with control. You think maybe Michael would have let his little sister yeah, hang I, around? Maybe she, I don't know, maybe she, maybe she had a, a test that day or something at school, but... <laughs> I, I was actually thinking, too, about a couple other people who weren't on there. I, I didn't think of Janet, but that's that's a good point. But Prince, 
isn't on the song. Yeah, you know, Prince interestingly was invited to be part of it. Yeah. Um apparently he he turned the offer down. I, I think there's a couple of conflicting things. He right. couldn't do a guitar solo at one point that somebody suggested that he wanted to play a little more. Couldn't do it. I read that he didn't want to record in the same room as everyone else because he was that shy. That yeah. sounds uh, – that was a quote from Lionel Richie last year. I think that may be the main reason. It could, it could have been different yeah. factors. but And, and even uh, Lionel was, was saying in this interview that he kind of was thinking, well, it, it's Prince. He's going to do what he wants. Maybe he'll show up. Maybe he won't. So I don't think he was that surprised about that. The other big name, you might think, 1985. She's not on there. Madonna. No, interesting that Madonna wasn't. Um, you know, I don't know if it was because, you know, who knows? I mean, it could have been everything from, and obviously Madonna has been criticized for this through her career. Maybe she wasn't, you know, maybe she's not as good a vocalist, and people thought that she couldn't hold her weight. Or I was, I was on Madonna fan blogs checking this out. I figured who who would know better than than Madonna. Fans. Oh yeah, I, I think it, it again sort of different stories, but it sort of seems to come out come down to that she she wasn't fully established yet as a sort of quote unquote legitimate artist. She's sort of a novelty element with the way she dressed at the time, and maybe they thought you know, her getting in a room with some of these acts that had been around for for twenty years. She just wasn't on that level, even though Cindy Lauper was. Um, you know, funny so it people seems kind of conflicting about that. I remember people thinking, you know, Cindy would last way longer than Madonna, right. and uh, Madonna won, I guess, the long game. Madonna also kind of won the short game too, because uh, after four weeks at number one for We Are the World, who knocks them out of the top spot on the Hot 100 except Madonna? Right. Crazy for you took uh, the number one spot away from them, so Madonna got the last laugh. But um, back to We Are the World, of course. So that song has this super group of musicians who record the night after the American Music Awards in 1985. Um, this single really came around because, you know, Harry Belafonte was really the architect of it, and he wanted to do something um, from black artists to really raise some funds for devastating famines that were happening in Africa. They were going to do a concert, didn't think a concert would raise enough money, so they had the idea of a charity single, which they really got from our friends over in the UK the year before. Um, a lot of the British super supergroup uh, Band Aid came to town and right. did the, the song "Do They Know It's Christmas." And that song was a massive hit in the UK, raised a ton of money for those same kind of efforts. And so, lo and behold, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie come together to write this song. Quincy Jones is the producer on it, and it becomes We Are the World. Quincy, interestingly, um, as he was producing the song, you know, when you think about the first time, really, that anybody has tried to get all these massive musicians in there, I mean, again, talking people at the height of their powers. I mean, Michael Jackson alone on right. a, you know, this song is incredible. You've got. Diana Ross from, you know, pulling Motown legends up and Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen. You you have to think that, you know, everyone has their little, you know, I want to record this way and I don't want this and I don't want that. And so uh, famously, when Quincy Jones invited everybody, he gave them the infamous line to check your ego at the door. Right. Which I think is just, you know, obviously one of those kind of iconic lines of music history that, you know, this isn't about you. This isn't for your record. This isn't for your appearance. This is to raise money. And really, no no reports of any infighting, you know, anything like that, which is kind of amazing in itself. Yeah, when it's a, for a charity like that, I think it makes it much easier for people to think that way. Maybe at an award show when it's just ego at stake. But when you know you're coming together just to help people, that is the main cause you're there. That's got to be the main catalyst to make people think, you know what, absolutely. Let's. Uh, I'll take my line. You take yours. Let's make this not about us. But for the people, this is going to be helping. Yeah, definitely. And, and the single um, was a huge hit. Interestingly, something that you almost won't, wouldn't think that would even happen today. Um, 
on Good Friday in 1985, which, again, Good Friday is coming up right. this week, um, back in 1985, over 5,000 radio stations around the world played We Are the World at the same time. Like, imagine, you know, going on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, and there was one song you could listen to for right. that period of time. I mean, just the just the universality of it, that's, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, everywhere around the world, Africa, Europe, you know, obviously United States playing one song all together for a common cause. Yeah, and, and chart-wise, too, you don't see too many songs with this kind of history. It had uh, four weeks at number one on the Hot 100, starting uh, April 13th, 1985. Two weeks at number one, R&B. Two weeks at number one, Adult Contemporary. And here's where it really uh, shows you just how absolutely big it was, and also how there were so many different acts from different genres. Uh, number 27 on the mainstream rock chart. And even number 76 at country. So you had, you mentioned Waylon Jennings before. There sort of was enough for everyone to at least kind of sample it if it had at least an act that your listeners and your genre might know. But beyond that, it was just such a, a cultural moment. Um, you you weren't born yet, Trevor. Correct. For another six <laughs> years. But I was in uh, fifth grade. And I remember it was sort of near the end of the school year that the whole documentary came out. You can watch that now. It's on YouTube. It's it's out. I think it came out a little bit after. Is I guess near the end of the school year um, in science class. Mr. Murray, the cool science teacher. One day we just watched the video. We didn't. We didn't. It had nothing to do with science. It wasn't like how a song is recorded. It wasn't. And he didn't even try to make it seem like this is a lesson. It was just, this is the biggest thing. He was a big music fan, so I think he just realized how big the song was. And we just watched it. And I wasn't even fully into music yet. I would uh, Around 14 is when I got more like really into pop music. But I could just sense that this was something that doesn't usually happen in music. I could just tell how big it was. And 32 years later, we're sitting in a room full of billboards here talking about it still. So, yeah, I mean, obviously had an impact in its time as well. You know, a, a huge award winner w- winning the Grammy Award for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, um, some American Music Awards as well. So obviously, you know, very well received critically, commercially. And it really gave birth to, you know, sort of this 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 charity all-star movement that, that really has took off in the late 80s um, and early 90s. You know, some of the songs that We Are the World sort of launched forward that's what friends are for, you know, the Dionne Warwicks, Stevie Wonder, right. uh, Gladys Knight, Elton John song that raised money for the American Foundation for AIDS Research. Um, you have even the King Holiday track, which I guess most people probably don't know now, but it's a song came out in 86 to celebrate the first Martin Luther King holiday. Uh, people on that include a pretty new Whitney Houston, new edition, El DeBarge. Uh, and even, you know, through the 2000s, I mean, a few years ago, I guess, well, I guess now, maybe a decade ago in 2008, uh, the Just Stand Up song yeah, for, for Cancer that, that right. had Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Miley Cyrus, Rihanna, Carrie Underwood, that plenty was one of others of the, that, come together. That might be the last really uh, high charting song of that nature that's done that. It got to number 11 on the Hot 100. But yeah, that was same kind of thing. It's just kind of cool to hear all these acts at once because you're most people are fans of all these artists. It's it'd be like a movie where they had like every big movie star in it. Yeah, so it's basically Ocean's 11. Yeah. <laughs> but big, but even bigger or or an all-star game in in in, in sports. Yeah. And I mean the fact that you know, I mean, it's just, just an incredible effort, again, like just in terms of resources and timing and, you know, everybody's doing every every which way and around the world and how are we all going to get together. And the fact that, you know, not only is it successful in terms of chart position, but it's raised, I mean, millions and millions of dollars have been raised through this kind yeah, of thing. more than $100 million. So it's just awesome to see, you know, again, that artist thought of that. I mean, Harry Belafonte and, and Band-Aid came with that idea and that we're still seeing the effects today. And 
We Are the World in particular, you know, has really hung on most people as kind of the hallmark of that. And so much so that 25 years after the original was recorded, um, of course, there was the Haiti earthquake disaster in early 2010. And, you know, people got together and said, we should do something for this. And what better way to celebrate, you know, Michael Jackson had just passed about six months before. Uh, they re-recorded We Are the World uh, 25 years after We Are the World. Artists for Haiti came together. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see, like, who... Some some people stuck around. Actually, some people who were in the original right. are in the the, the new version. Oh, we're um, we're going to close with, with a clip of this with with the first line from the song because it's someone <laughs> who you recognize, but you listen now, he sounds so different as the first vocalist on that song. Oh, one hundred percent, handpicked by Lionel Richie himself yeah. to to sing the opener. The song got to number two on the Hot One Hundred, so most people don't remember that. The original is always going to be the classic, yeah. but big hit in its own right, two thousand ten. And they pay tribute to Michael, like we said, who just passed. They kept his chorus, and yeah. nobody. Nobody stepped in to overtake. They did a little duet with Janet. I thought it was nice. So Janet there she got on ended up, you know, all. eventually on a We Are the World track. Um, but yeah, awesome to see that, you know, again, from its heyday in 85 to to modern day, that song has stuck around and done so much for so many. And just in case Mr. Murray, my fifth grade science teacher, is listening or anyone from the school department from that era, I don't want to make it seem like he only just played us music and goofed off. He was a really <laughs> good teacher. Taught us the elements. I learned all the elements. I'm not sure I could still... Remember them? Uh, I'm sure that uh, the statute of limitations has run out on that. Next week, we are going to have, of course, another fun-filled edition for you, counting out our favorite Hot 100 Top 10 songs. I'll talk about my social studies teachers next week. Gary will bring up his social studies teachers. I'll be bringing up a brand new song that should make a Hot 100 appearance next week. I know people have been waiting for this song really since the last One Direction album. Harry Styles' long-awaited first solo song, Sign of the Times. Maybe a maybe a, a nod to Prince, who knows? We'll see you guys. Hope you have a good week. Thanks for joining us again for another week on the Chart Beat Podcast. As always, take it away, Justin. There comes a time when we hit a certain call When the world must come together as one There are people dying oh, When it's time to lend a hand to life The greatest gift of all Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.